My friends, it appears that here at the very beginning of Lent, now just two weeks in, our Lord is truly desiring to give us great assistance and help in one of the areas that we all struggle in the most. He wants to grant us a strengthening in the way that we live in our thoughts, in our thought life. It's been a consistent message to us these past few weeks, and it actually continues today. Last Sunday, for example, we learned the reality that when we pray and fast by Christ's prescription in Lent, that we are being armed with the weapons of our spiritual warfare that we need. We're also encountering through prayer and fasting grace-filled power in our abstinence. So that just as we abstain from food and the portions thereof, dousing the cravings within that are rising up, we can also do the same thing to everything that works against the soul of mankind. Everything that comes against our soul, we can suppress by that grace-filled abstinence in our lives. And also that while prayer and fasting is going on in our lives, we are enabled to fight manfully against our temptations, which is our thought life, and our enemy that plays with them. And it is that part of our understanding of something our Lord is doing in the midst of our prayer and fasting, helping us to fight manfully in our thought life, that is going to be His word to us for our exhortation and encouragement this morning. You've heard me say numerous times in this place that the greatest Christian struggle is not a struggle against our brokenness and fallenness, nor is it a struggle against our enemy that's at play in our brokenness and fallenness, at least not first and foremost. The greatest Christian struggle where we walk by grace to move in this, the greatest Christian struggle is to remain in Christ. To set our face, the face of our soul to our Lord Jesus Christ and remain within him all the days of our life. And only then do we experience his deliverance. Only then do we experience his healing. And we're transformed to be a people who share our Lord's authority and share our Lord's countenance and nature of self-control in all things in our life. The war of the Christian is the war towards Christ every day of our lives. The battlefield on which this war is waged, this war battling always to remain in Christ, the true daily battlefield of the Christian is the battlefield of the thought life. That's our battlefield. And listen to our Matins reading from the Gospel of St. Matthew this morning as we begin to consider this. Jesus says, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish, that your whole body not be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it away. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish 
than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now let us be very, very clear about what Jesus Christ is not teaching in that moment. He is not saying that to find someone attractive will have you cast into the fires of hell. This is not what he's saying. <clears throat> that natural attraction that within us to see something beautiful. In fact, St. John Chrysostom speaks of this when he taught on that gospel reading. And I summarize his teaching. But what he taught was this. Jesus is speaking not to the natural attraction of something or someone that we deem beautiful. He's speaking to our broken indulgence that allows natural attraction to become the pursuit of the soul. It's not the attraction seeing you and saying you're beautiful or even thinking in my mind and in my heart you're a beautiful person. But if my mind starts giving, my, giving myself over and pursuing that further, in fact, there's a great example in the Old Covenant of this very thing happening with David and Bathsheba. Remember, David wakes up one morning and he's in his large home there in Jerusalem. And when he wakes up, he goes to the top, the roof of his great home. He's going up on the top, just waking up. And as he's looking around, he happens to see a woman, Bathsheba, through the window of her house, bathing at that moment. Now, you see, he was certainly attracted, make no mistake. But it could have ended there. He could have turned his face, got control of his thoughts, turned his face from that which he found attractive and went about his day. But that's not what happens. He gives himself over to his attraction. He joins himself to that thought. And now that thought begins to snowball in his mind and heart, and it creates a longing, a wanting, a desiring, and a plotting of how he can have this woman to himself now. Now he's fallen short. Now he's in sin. And that giving himself over to that thought would lead to his plot not only towards sinning in the act of adultery, but also murder. For he would plot to have Bathsheba's husband murdered so he could have her to himself. You see where attraction became lust. Where attraction of a thought, a distraction, a man was given over. And in the being given over, he fell short. And it ended up resulting in the actions of sin. Temptation and various distractions that are thrown at us in this world are not our sin. They're temptations. They're distractions. You're not an evil person for distractions and temptations coming your way. You live in a fallen world within a soul that's still being made whole. That's not sin. But when we give temptation and distraction a home in our minds, when we let them become part of us by joining ourselves to them, then we give them room to grow we become captive to those very distractions and temptations. In our captivity to these indulgent thoughts, where we fall short, that's where we fall short of our true selves and it becomes sin in our life. Because my friends, there is no possible way 
for us to remain in Christ, keep our focus of our soul upon Christ, and at the same time be existing in the overindulgent thoughts and distractions of this present world. It is impossible. We have divided, we have become divided in those moments. We become adulterous in that division, you see. This is why St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2 and chapter 10, he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. Our weapons, St. Paul says, against these distracting thoughts that we so easily give into. Our weapons are not of this world. Who in the world would think that it would be wisdom that prayer and fasting would be weapons given by our Lord to his beloved people to cast down all of these strongholds? To pull down the strongholds that have been developed over our lives by our own giving ourselves over to thoughts. These habits, these patterns that we have allowed to develop in our thought life, which is why it's so hard to come out of them. We dig ruts with our thoughts because we get in them again and again and again. And our Lord wants to cover the ruts and bring us up. Listen to the language. We are graced by all of this, by Christ, to cast down all of these temptations and distractions. How? By taking every thought captive to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked about this on Tuesday night in our Lenten devotion. What does it mean to take the thought captive to Jesus Christ? That word thought is a funny sounding word in the Greek logizmi. And one of the definitions of the logizmi is that when Paul says take the thought captive, that thought is very specific thought. It is the very pinprick moment of the birth of a thought in our lives. In other words, be mindful of your own thoughts. And when the thought or the distraction comes into your mind at its earliest stage, bring it into captivity under Christ. Because we know the truth about our thoughts. Either with the help of Christ, we're going to bring those thoughts to him and ask for his help in those moments. And we're going to find his victory in those moments. Or we are going to take our eyes off of the Lord, letting the distraction have its way in our minds and our hearts. And we are the ones that are going to get taken captive. We are the ones that are going to find ourselves wrapped in the bondage to our thoughts. So if we're to take our thoughts captive, if we're to bring them to Christ, how do we do this? How do we look at this in the very quick moments of our lives where these deceptions and these thoughts come? These thoughts come at, like that. They come quickly and normally when we least expect it. Here we are working at our computer. Boom, there's a thought. Off we go, like we said last week, on the rabbit trail of distraction and bondage. How do we bring God into the split second of our thoughts? 
There's a couple of things from this Mass and another scripture that I want to share with you that will, I think will help bring into picture how we relate to God in the moments of our thought life. In the intro week of today's Mass, you heard these words sung by the choir at the very beginning. Listen to what it says. Call to remembrance thy tender compassion and mercy, O Lord, and thy loving kindness towards us, which have been ever of old. Do not let our enemies triumph over us. Deliver us, O God of Israel, out of all our misery and trouble. And then from Psalm 25, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. My God, in thee have I trusted. Let me not be confounded. And I tell you that in those words from the Psalms, in this intro, to remember this always, what do the fathers teach us? The Psalms teach us precisely how to pray. You know what that means. The Psalms teach us how to relate to God in the very moments of our lives, no matter what is going on around us. The Psalms teach us to pray. And it gives us what you just heard, gives us the very means by which we fight manfully against our thoughts. And I tell you again, these things occur in the split seconds of our life. So it's not like, and God bless you if you can, but it's not like you have to sit there and read the Psalms with every thought. That would be a blessing, but we can't always do that. But it's what we prayed from the Psalms that gets engrafted and written in our hearts so that we respond with our lives in prayer in the very moments that the thoughts are coming against us. Let's look at what, is all, what all is in that introit from the Psalms. The first thing was this. The psalmist, and by the way, I don't know if you got this, but the psalmist is one in trouble in that moment, crying out for help and crying out for deliverance. Is that not the posture of the Christian when the thoughts come? Or it ought be. Our posture, our learned posture. Guys, if we can dig ruts with thoughts of sin, we can dig ruts with prayer. We can fill in the ruts, better even said, with prayer. And the praying and learning to pray from the Psalms. This is what's going on in his life. What's the first thing he does? He makes an appeal to the nature of God. He makes an appeal to the countenance of God. He says, Lord, you are the one with compassion, mercy, and loving kindness. What are we doing? We're turning our troubled countenance. Our thoughts trouble us. These thoughts, even in these moments, especially if we give way to them, they douse and diminish our countenance of joy. Changes our countenance. We bring our downcast countenance with this invasion of thoughts to look upon God. To look upon His countenance. To see who he is in those moments with us in the midst of those thoughts. In the misery of the onslaught of this, these thoughts and temptations. And secondly, we cried out, or you heard cried out of the intro eat. Don't let my enemy win over me. Deliver me from my enemy. What is our enemy in those moments? <clears throat> our own disordered thoughts that are being tweaked by our enemy Satan that wants those thoughts to find a home within us. That's our enemy in the moments of our temptations and distractions and deceptions. And then what does the psalmist say? Therefore, with all of this, seeing your countenance, crying out to you for deliverance from mine enemy, I lift up my soul to you. 
If we're praying all of this from within us, I don't see that our mind can be on the thought anymore. I've turned my disciplined face away from the distraction and to my God for his deliverance in those moments so that he can win the battle for me. What is it that we're doing with all of this? In the moments of our distractions and temptations, what are we doing? We're giving God, who is ever present with us and desires to be so infinitely active in every moment of our lives, an opportunity to be who he is for us in the very battlefield or on the very battlefield of our thought life. We're giving him a chance where we probably haven't been doing that very well. We're giving him a chance to come in and show us his countenance in the moment. Giving him a chance to win the victory over our enemy. Giving him a chance to receive our soul and keep it within himself. In the moments of our thoughts. And what will the result be if we'll do this? Blessed St. James tells us this in his epistle in chapter 4. Where he says, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. It does not say resist the devil and he might flee from you. What do you believe? But then he says something in the midst of all that part of the battle. Listen to him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And here's what we're talking about. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We turn to God in the moments of temptations and distractions. He will turn to us from his countenance, from his compassion, mercy, loving kindness, his might, and his self-control. All of these things will come to our aid, and he will act on our behalf. We humble ourselves before him. Lord, I cannot win this battle. And if you don't show up, I will probably lose this battle. We humble ourselves before him, acknowledging our need. And he lifts us up in that humility and shows us his victory in no different that way than when St. Peter was seeking and sinking in the waves where his entire being was lost in a throng of anxious thoughts. But our Lord lifted him up to where he was and he'll do the same for us. Never forget what St. Paul says in his first epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 10, where he says, No temptation has over overtaken you except that which is common to man. But then listen. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape from those thoughts that you may be able to bear it. God is the faithful one, my friends, and I tell you the truth. He is the way of escape. It says he makes the way of escape. He does so because he is our way of escape over the temptations and distractions that would drag us down and away from him, back to where we came from before our redemption through baptism. The Christian struggle is to remain in the stronghold of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the infinite minutes of our days, in the midst of the battlefield of our thoughts. And as you continue to abstain from meat 
and the portions thereof. And you have those physical cravings. As you continue to walk in powerful abstinence towards that, start the discipline little by little by bringing the Lord your God into the moments of your thought life and your distractions as we've spoken of today. Turn yourself to His countenance. Let Him show Himself to you. Cry out for deliverance from your enemy and lift your soul to Him. And Christ will show you the beauty of His self-control, pouring like a fountain into your own soul for further battles that you'll face far beyond the 40 days of Lent. And in conclusion, should it surprise us that the collect prayer of this very Mass that you heard prayed and we were all to pray in our hearts was this. Almighty God, who seest that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, keep us outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.